Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. That is me alongside Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. It is great to be back with you. Day two back on the air after a little vacation time for the holidays. We are back and we are ready to roll once again today on this Wednesday, December the 27th of 2020 and 23. Sports beat on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. Before we leave the airwaves, we have plenty to talk about with Eric, including the details on Mike Denbrock becoming the new offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Eric is the one that broke the news that Mike was taking the offensive coordinator job. So, a tip of the cap to you for doing some fine investigative work. Breaking the story on Mike Denbrock coming back to South Bend. And today they officially announced it, so it's all official. And he got to watch a practice to my, or that was what was expected to happen today, as long as there weren't uh, airline problems. And uh, supposed to have supper with the coaching staff tonight and then address the team tomorrow, and then he can start getting his whiteboard all marked up Ooh. with the new X's and O's. We're going to talk about Mike Denbrock coming back to South Bend, among other Notre Dame topics. Eric with me for the 5 o'clock hour. And, of course, we always encourage you as you're listening to the program, whether it be live or on the podcast, you can follow along by logging on to Eric's website, Inside ND Sports. Dot com, and you can even go back and read the story. I guess it would have been now five days ago. You had a big right. story we, up about we Mike. We updated it yep. today and with the official part of the hiring, and then we had a live chat today with lots of Mike Denbrock and other questions. 
I get the feeling, and based on my Twitter poll question from yesterday, there is a ton of excitement about Coach Denbrock coming back to South Bend, and we'll get to all those storylines coming up here in just a little bit on Sports Radio 960, WSBT, 6 o'clock hour. It'll be just me cruising along here on the program. I want to take a look at the Irish offensive depth chart because it looks just a, a wee bit different from the one that the Irish put out there for the matchup against Stanford a few weeks ago. But it's very interesting to see some of the developments, including you had this in one of your stories today at InsideIndieSports.com. It appears we now know who the right tackle is for the Fighting Irish for the matchup against Oregon State. I get the feeling both will probably play, but what have we learned? We have learned that Tosh Baker surfaced to the top of the depth chart for the first time since there was the revolving door at left tackle in early 2021 <laughs> before yeah. Joe Alt took it over and didn't give it up until he opted out of this bowl game. Whatever so, happened to Joe Alt? I mean, yeah. my goodness. So uh, Tosh Baker is at the top of the depth chart. Emil Wagner, I still think, is a guy that's a strong candidate to start and compete for a starting spot. I think he's one of the best linemen, best six linemen on the team. And uh, as soon as he gets up to around 300, he's going to be harder to deal with. It's a little bit easier when he's in the 280s. And he was in the 260s when he arrived. So How about that? Yeah. All right. We'll get to more of those conversations here on the program. Also in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll have a little sizzler. As last night, my sizzler picks... Went 3-0 and as Texas State minus 3.5 over Rice won. Of course, we all knew that was going to work out just fine, right? My research showed that they were going to cook Rice last night, and they did. And I it wasn't I, just minute Rice. Th- it was for 60 minutes, Eric. 60 minutes. I think I picked Texas State. I can't even remember half my ball picks. I, <laughs> as soon as I'm not in contention for winning a million dollars, I kind of stop paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm the same I, way. I w- actually was one year, and the funny thing about it was it was a confidence pick. It was the ESPN thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a million dollars, but I think it's a sizable prize. Yeah. I had turned my picks in backwards with the oh, confidence picks exact opposite order in it almost won me the whole thing that's crazy yeah wow yeah i need to mess up more often there you go i had kansas unlv over points at halftime and for the game that hit and my fourth pick is going on right now it took virginia tech minus 10 and a half against a michael prattless tulane and right now it's 41 20 virginia tech with five minutes to go so we're looking good right there it could be a sweep and i've got four more picks tonight and you may call me crazy because it makes no sense to make this pick. But I've got USC plus six and a half against Louisville just because it smells. It seems like Louisville should be a bigger favorite with USC a mess and Caleb Williams not playing. But something tells me the same team that lost to Pittsburgh might keep this a whole lot closer than we expect. Because shouldn't this be like 13 and a half it feels like? So I'm just holding my nose and thinking USC might play better than we expect tonight. All right, so we'll get to those picks as well. But I want to start things off by talking to the guy who again who broke the story on Mike Denbrock coming back to the University of Notre Dame. It's crazy how all this transpired, and it all began with this group. Do you know what that is? No. The fight song for Troy University. 
Oh, okay. I I would be mad at myself now if I had gotten that right. Trojans one and all is their fight song. And Eric, we're not sitting here today with Mike Denbrock as the offensive coordinator had it not been for Troy going on to Notre Dame staff and taking Jared Parker to become the head coach down there with the Trojans. And I don't mean that meanly, but the fact is it sure seemed like Eric Marcus was going to stand pat with Parker in hopes that he was going to grow as an offensive coordinator in year two here. But it sounds like there was a contact between Parker and someone at Troy. He got the job. And I said this last year, Eric, when Tommy Reese left for Alabama, that Marcus Freeman had a chance to hit a home run. And I think circumstances prevented him from hitting a home run. I think someone was also holding the bat, so he couldn't fully swing to hit the home run. I think he had the full bat in hand, and he hit a grand slam, Eric, with Mike Denbrock coming back to South Bend. And, and once again, Marcus Freeman taps into his friend coaching pool, worked with Mike Denbrock at Cincinnati, and it just seems like an absolutely perfect fit. What was your reaction to Denbrock's name being kicked around originally, and then now here he is as offensive coordinator once again? Well, his name being kicked around originally, I thought, was brilliant, and I also tried to push his name in there. You know, Mike and I have uh, intermittently kind of contact, kept in contact over the years. He had a show on WSBT Radio with the two of us yes. back during the 2016 season. and um, Handled it beautifully during a miserable year. He did, and, and so we got to know him really well during that time. And I just always got the impression that he was open to coming back to Notre Dame under the right circumstances at some point. And certainly, he was open to reuniting with Brian Kelly, which he did at LSU. Um, and so, just given Marcus's history with Mike Denbrock, given the way that Mike has continued to become a better and better offensive coordinator since he's been at Notre Dame, I just thought, man, this is the name that makes the most sense. And he was well thought of outside of our circle. I mean, pro football focus going into this year, this is before they were the number one offense, Right, listed him as the number five offensive coordinator in all of college football. And again, that's before they had the number one offense at LSU this year. So to me, it just made sense on so many levels. Really good recruiter, um, a guy that's going to bring stability, a guy that's worked with dual threat quarterbacks, that's coached every position on offense except for running backs, has been a defensive coordinator. I mean, there's just a lot to like. There's no guarantees in college. I mean, when you make a hire, there are hires that go wrong. But this has a lot of things that make you feel really good about how this is going to turn out. Mike Denbrock loves the University of Notre Dame. This will be his third go-around here, and I think this is also a time for Mike Denbrock at this stage of his coaching career. Eric, wouldn't you say it was also an opportunity to get back close to home and also go back to work at a place that he absolutely adores? It is. I mean, he's from Homer, Michigan, which is in southern Michigan. It's not that far from here, and, um, you know, he loves the Midwest and so forth. And I mentioned this in the story I wrote Friday. 
the the when he Mike got prostate cancer in 2014 in that summer and he had to miss some time during training camp the support that he received from the Notre Dame people and the fans and everyone else was was just overwhelming and Mike I think already had a huge affinity for Notre Dame and I think that just put it over the top with him so when you look at this move and people say well why would he leave the number one offense in the country a big contract extension at LSU to come to Notre Dame. It's his love for Notre Dame. It's his belief in Marcus Freeman, you know, getting back to the Midwest, and then certainly the financial reality to make those other things a reality, to, to make put those in motion. Because if they said, well, we'd like to t- you to take the hometown <laughs> discount or something, then it, it wouldn't have happened, I don't think. Uh, but – all those things intersected, and I think Notre Dame got the best possible fit and got the best offensive coordinator. I would put Ryan Grubb in that class. Somebody had asked me before Jared Parker even you know, leaving was a possibility, and I, I thought Ryan Grubb probably right now was coaching at as high a level as anybody. And then I said I would put Mike Denbrock right there, and certainly of the people that I think Notre Dame – could get and that would be a fit, it would be uh, Mike Denbrock. I really wanted Notre Dame to look at Ryan Grubb the last time the job was open, which was last year, but he wasn't interested in leaving Washington, so that was never. But I think he's an awfully good offensive corner. But I think Mike is a better fit, and I think he's absolutely in that elite class as an offensive coordinator. Eric Hansen, publisher and editor at InsideIndSports.com, broke the news that Mike Denbrock was going to become the offensive coordinator with the Fighting Irish. Darren Pritchett with you, Sports Speed at 520 here on WSBT Radio. Whether it was warranted or not, last year and beyond, after the offensive coordinator search and hire of Jared Park, there was a lot of scrutiny and finger-pointing at Notre Dame that maybe something didn't happen and they didn't get the Utah offensive coordinator. Whatever the case may be, we now fast-forward to this week. It doesn't sound like, Eric, there was a whole lot of obstacles standing between Notre Dame getting their guy this time. No, there really wasn't. It was just whether Mike really wanted to make this happen. And, and as of Monday when Jared Parker, when we knew that Jared Parker was going to Troy, I knew Mike was willing to listen. I knew that far, but we didn't know that he was, it was, everything was going to fall into place. And, but I knew he was willing to listen. And then it it happened. And so, you know, did Notre Dame's off, you know, did Notre Dame's administration learn from last year's experience? I would say they did. Seems like it. I don't think it was a makeup job, you know, like a makeup call, but I think you you can't mess around with that. If you if that's the person that you want, then you need to be straightforward and let them know how much you want them. They got rewarded. Yeah. In my eyes. Yeah. For what I happened did. last year. The way things worked out, I'll take this guy. Absolutely. I would take, I think Andy Ludwig is really good. And I think he had a really difficult set of circumstances that kept presenting themselves 
over and over again this year. I think we'll see a bounce back from Andy Ludwig next year when Cam Rising is the quarterback. Um, you know, the quarterback they finally settled on opted out of their bowl game. They lost to Northwestern and they struggled offensively this year, but I think he's really good. But I think Mike Dunbrock is in a higher class. Final question in this segment, and it might be the most important to be quite frank with you. We have hockey games on Saturday and Sunday. Any <laughs> chance an offensive coordinator might be in town for that? Um, he could. He's free. He's, he doesn't have to coach in the ReliaQuest Bowl. I have two seats in my booth, one for him, one for you. I'll be like Jerry Glanville. Remember the Falcons head coach? He left tickets for Elvis for every single game that he coached. I'm going to leave tickets for you and Mike at the hockey arena until you both show up. On Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday? It's Saturday, Sunday this weekend. Okay. So if okay. if I'm going to leave tickets every game until you guys both show up and sit in my booth. Well, I did. I did sit in seats uh, that you (laughs) helped provide for me uh, for the Michigan-Notre Dame game, and I brought the team bad luck. They lost. Tell you what, if you can bring Denbrock to my booth, it'll be a major (laughs) upgrade in seats. Let me tell you right now. (laughs) All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, I want to discuss with Eric what Mike Denbrock could mean to this offense and the players that have been assembled already for him to hopefully put together an even better offense than what the Irish had this year. And that includes quarterback Riley Leonard. What does a Denbrock-Leonard relationship mean? We'll have that conversation coming up. He's Eric Hansen. Check out his work at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. We're live on 960 AM WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Oh, you'll hear that song on Friday afternoon, hopefully quite a few times after Notre Dame touchdowns. The Irish and the Beavers from Oregon State meeting in El Paso, Texas. The Sun Bowl right here on WSBT Radio, 2 o'clock kick, pregame at 9 a.m. Eric Hansen, Tyler Hork, and I will have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light from 11 to 1. Not as much talk on the Sun Bowl, but more big picture, which I think nine and a half out of every Irish fans are probably thinking more toward 2024 than the Sun Bowl. So we'll talk a lot of big picture ticket items. Game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light. Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Broke the story that Mike Denbrock had accepted the offensive coordinator and tight end coaching position at the University of Notre Dame. All right, we've kicked around some of the storylines leading to Mike coming to South Bend. Now let's look ahead to the 2024 campaign. Mike Denbrock is attached to the Brian Kelly offensive tree. 
You have Jared Parker, who was using a lot of Tommy Reese's stuff, who's attached to the Brian Kelly offensive tree. So when you start to think about the transition for offensive coaches and players to a new offensive coordinator, is this going to be a rather uncomplicated move to new terminology and everything that Mike Denbrock wants to do? And I'm assuming that's the case because it seems like half the coaching staff knows Mike Denbrock from Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to think about is we're going to assume that Riley Leonard is going to be the quarterback. Now, there's going to be a quarterback competition in the spring, but you were going to have to change the offense anyways, whether Jared Parker was here or not. So you're going to have this dimension of a running quarterback uh, who also, I think, Mike Denbrock wants to be able to have the deep passing game with. I think Mike's goal with Riley Leonard is to improve him as a downfield passer because then you have two weapons to deal with eight in the box. You have the running quarterback, you have the quarterback runs, and you also have the deep passing game. So developing a difference maker at the field receiver position, think Will Fuller, I almost said Will Farrell. Will Fuller and Kevin Stefferson. So you think about those two guys when Mike was the play caller and what they did in opening up the rest of the offense. That's going to be two things to look for. Then what else does it look like? Mike is going to adapt to what's on the roster. So he's not going to, you know, if Notre Dame had Michael Mayer, then I think they'd be a little bit more tight end oriented. They have some good tight ends. They don't have Michael Mayer, at least nobody's evolved into that at this point. Alpha guy. Right. Um, You look at the wide receivers, and, you know, I think Chris Mitchell has a real opportunity coming in from Florida International at that um, at that field receiver position. But you're probably your the guy that you, if he's healthy, the guy that's you can really count on the most is your boundary receiver, which is Jaden Thomas. We haven't seen much of him healthy this year, so that's going to be part of the offense. Um, I think that. Mike will be pretty innovative, but he's going to make, he's going to try to do what good offensive coordinators do, and I don't think Jared Parker could do this in big games, and that's put the opposing defensive coordinator into a run-pass dilemma almost every down in an almost every situation. And when you have a running quarterback, it's easier to do that. So that's what the premise will be, and then he'll build out from there. And we'll have to see who, you know, rises to the top in spring. We'll have to see how well that offensive line is at protection. We're going to have to see how good a run blockers they is. My sense is that that will be a good run blocking group. This group this year was way better in their pass blocking grades than their run blocking grades. They were never much above average it was kind of the running back, that, the running backs that created a lot of that. Um, so we'll see if if the dynamic changes. But he, here's what you won't see: is when Tyrone Willingham took over, he had the West Coast offense, 
with uh, Bill Diedrich, and they were going to force the personnel into that West Coast offense with Carlisle Holiday, and it was just a disaster. So that's what you're not going to see. You also have to keep in mind what Marcus Freeman wants to do, and he wants to play complementary football. He wants to have a team that can run and pass and that can toggle back and forth depending on the weaknesses of the opponent, but that is able to do both. He doesn't want to be air raid, nor does he want to be Woody Hayes, Bosham, Beckler, three yards and cloud of dust. He wants the ability to do a lot of different things. And then depending on the weather, depending on the opponent, you can, depending on how they're playing you, you, you have the ability to move into these different things. And I think that's what Mike's strength is. If you think about the best way that I can illustrate what a good play caller Mike Denbrock is to Notre Dame fans, Mm -hmm. and we talked about this on the show, was the 2015 Clemson game. Notre Dame played an awful stretch of defense to start that game and got down, and Clemson decided we are going to do everything we can to thwart your, in this terrible rainstorm, this hurricane, (laughs) we're going to make you throw the ball and do other things. Your traditional run game will not be able to move the ball against us. C.J. Procise was the running back. So Mike adjusted, and Notre Dame got back into the game, and they were a two-point conversion away in the last minute or so of the game from sending that into overtime. They did not get into the end zone. But what they did was they went to quarterback runs with Deshaun Kaiser. They also got their running back, C.J. Procise, onto the perimeter and threw him the ball, and he – created some holes in that Clemson defense in the passing game that he couldn't do as a traditional running back runner. Even in the bad weather, the high winds, and the monsoon that it was at Clemson. I think that's what you'll see, you know, maybe to a lesser extent in Texas A&M. I think when they get into the November games, the big November games, Florida State, USC, I think that's where you say, aha, that's where (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> There's been an upgraded offensive coordinator. So now I think when Irish fans read, for example, your article laying out the success of Mike Denbrock at LSU, mm-hmm. that offense the year before BK and Denbrock arrived was below average. It was in the 80s in terms of total offense. And then it took no time at all for LSU to improve that first year. And then, of course, this year, the number one total offense and scoring offense in the country. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Jaden Daniels. So when Irish fans see that, I'm sure the expectations for a lot of fans go sky high that maybe Mike Denbrock can do that here. Do we have to be at least a little careful, despite the fact how excited we are that Mike is back to be the offensive coordinator, and now I don't feel like that the players are going to be put in some tough spots like they were this year. But when you take a look at the talent difference between LSU and Notre Dame on offense, do we need to at least pump the brakes a little bit until all these parts get together because there's a lot of parts coming from everywhere to form this offense and you're breaking in two tackles. So there's a lot of things that I feel like are different from what Mike left at LSU. It's true. I mean, certainly LSU's receivers 
are better. Running back, um, Odrick is better than Logan Diggs. That Agreed. was their number one running back at the end of the year. Yep. Uh, I think Jeremiah Love will be better than Logan Diggs. I still think Logan Diggs is very good. Don't get me wrong. But wide receivers, LSU was head and shoulders above. Tight ends, I think Notre Dame is better. Offensive line, whatever LSU had this year is going to be more solid and cohesive than what Notre Dame starts the season with. That's going to be the biggest challenge to me is the offensive line. A little bit of the antidote to that is Riley Leonard's running ability. Um Duke's offensive line was pretty decent. I mean, it wasn't like they were a bunch of five-star guys, but Duke didn't give up very many sacks. Duke ran the ball really well, and some of it is just Riley Leonard's skill set, um, at least early in the season when he was their quarterback. You know, at the end of the year, he wasn't playing because he was injured. But there has to be evolution. Again, a lot of people think, well, you get a portal quarterback and they're plug and play and to a certain extent some of them are but the ones that were in New York City evolved in the, at their new schools and evolved dramatically none of those guys 2 years ago were guys that no. you would have said these are future Heisman finalists nothing in their statistics at Arizona State and Indiana and um who am I leaving out uh, Auburn 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 would have suggested that. All right, so Mike's going to be ready to go for spring practice. You've got Riley Leonard, the quarterback. He's been hanging out with Duke through their bowl game. So if he's not here already, I'm sure he's going to be here very, very soon because you've got classes starting in just a few weeks here yep. at the University of Notre Dame. So as Mike thinks about the 2024 offense – as a coach, you have to think about the future. And for fans that maybe don't remember Coach Denbrock being here, can you evaluate his importance to the recruiting process for future offensive weapons coming to South Bend? Right. So certainly in Mike's first tour of duty, which was under Tyrone Willingham in 2002 to 2004, and even early in the Brian Kelly time, Notre Dame and all schools or most schools did this leaned more into geographical regions for coaches than they did. Yeah. I'm rooting, recruiting my position. And so Mike usually had some difficult areas. He had California and was able to get a lot of really good players out of California. Um, he's been able to recruit players in the Midwest. He's been able to recruit obviously players in Louisiana. So what will that look like at Notre Dame well I mean how many tight ends do you need to recruit every year right so if that's all you're doing then you're really not I think pulling your weight um, something that I think Tommy Reese and Jared Parker did was they really focused in on their position Tommy Reese being quarterbacks and Jared Parker tight ends and there was some intermittent involvement with other recruits but not consistent with Chip Long, Chip was a bulldog, and Chip had as much to do with um, Chris Tyree being interested, with, who was a high high recruit, Michael Mayer being interested, mm. um, which was his position, but he was involved with other 
elite players in the recruiting classes, even maybe those a little bit further down the wish list. And I think that's where Mike's going to get involved, that he will not just say, well, I got my tight end, I'm done. Um, time to go to Sizzler. Um, he's going to Thank you. get involved in other recruits and be a key piece with helping those position coaches and say, hey, this is what my offense looked like because he is such a good recruiter. One, one other one that Mike got was Chase Claypool. And Mike had a connection up in Canada, and a friend of his sent him video of Chase playing basketball, and that's what started Wow, British Columbia, this British Columbia wide receiver ending up at Notre Dame. See, when he goes and recruits up north again, you know he's going to be fully equipped because he worked with the master. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. <laughs> it was a joke. British Columbia jackets. <laughs> Works all perfectly together, doesn't it? Well, I tell you what, it was amazing the season Jaden Daniels had at LSU. And, and Mike did a wonderful job taking the assets that were there and – he got the most out of them. For he, any, set, he set a NCAA record for pass efficiency. How about that? And, folks, for anyone, I've seen some people do this, and I'm just going to say this because 95% of the people know this, but for the 5% that don't that might be wondering, well, how can you have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and you still lose three games? Folks, let me tell you this. The reason why they lost was not because of the offense. That was one of the worst defenses probably in LSU history that was on the field. In fact, BK, at one point in the season, went back to the old, these are our guys, we can't trade yeah. anybody, we can't sign free agents. We can't go to the transfer portal. Oops, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. That defense was so bad, that's why they're not playing in a bigger bowl game than what they are. It has nothing to do with the LSU offense. Right. Just so, miserable. So, yeah. And, and you know, Denbrock ran into that at Notre Dame, the two years that he was the oh, play caller, great point. Brian Van Gorder was the defensive coordinator. One full year and then the <laughs> the four games into 2016 when he got fired and then they scrambled to put together a defense without him and actually improved. Mike Elston and Brian Kelly kind of put that together uh, behind the scenes with the uh, – ceremonial interim defensive coordinator, which was just kind of a cover-up. I remember Charlie Weiss uh, texting me and saying, that guy's not the defensive coordinator, it's Mike Elston. I can see him calling plays up in the play in the press box. I said, Charlie, you figured it out. Aha. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it hadn't been – it hadn't really been public at that point, no. but that's what we all kind of su suspected. I mentioned this on the program last night, and I was off on vacation last week, but December 18th, nine days ago, nine days ago, was the 25th anniversary of me coming to WSBT Radio. Oh, wow. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you. And I referenced the fact in those 25 years, Notre Dame has made a national championship game, two playoff appearances, but they haven't won like that big, massive game since I've been here. But Eric, I'll tell you what. With the way this team is recruiting, mm -hmm. with the way they develop, you got 
an outstanding offensive coordinator that can win you big games. I don't know if you have any insight, but it sounds like maybe Al Golden might stick around. There's some maybe. contract extension talks that has been rumored. Right. So let's say that happens. Eric, you've got a chance to maybe build something pretty special here with the, the ingredients they have. And I went as far to say that, you know, I've been here 25 years, but maybe in the next couple of years, the best things are yet to come in that time frame with what you're assembling right now. It could. I mean, when you look at it, well, let's, let's just look at 2024 first. I mean, Xavier Watts's decision is really big. If Notre Dame gets him to come back, you look at that defense, that could be 2012-ish type defense mm -hmm. from Notre Dame next year. Um, and then, you know, the offense is going to have some growing pains just because of all the new parts and so forth. But by the end of the year, they should be pretty good. What What's happened in Notre Dame when they got into the 2012 National Championship game, when they got into the playoff games, it was a team with a razor-thin margin yeah. for error for different reasons. There were always pieces missing, and even if you had the tumblers all lined up right, you still had to have everything go perfect in those games. You had no margin for error. Having two guys on the field with the same number not getting caught? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for example, with um, Julian Love getting hurt in the 2018 oh. game, that couldn't happen. Notre Dame, you know, Alabama and some other teams, yeah, they could have somebody of that caliber get hurt and – not be knocked off their trajectory. Notre Dame couldn't have that. But the better Marcus Freeman recruits, the more support he gets from the administration, mm -hmm. the wider the transfer pool is for them, the more competitive they are with NIL. And now having really good assistant coaches, the margin for error suddenly gets wider. And so if you have... Yep something unfortunate happened, you can maybe recover from it. Or you don't have to be perfect and have a three-turnover advantage in a game to win a playoff game. You can win it maybe with even turnovers. And so, and this comes with experience, but I would have to say that game management has to take a step forward too. The game management does. But you look at the quarterback position. It's not just Riley Leonard. Steve Angeli is going to be a good quarterback for somebody either at Notre Dame or somewhere else. Yep. He's either going to be a really good backup or he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere else. Then you got Kenny Minchie, who I still think is a wild card. Uh, C.J. Carr. I mean, how many quarterbacks have Notre Dame had that are as talented as C.J. Carr and also have their head screwed on as straight as C.J. Carr? And then Deuce Knight, this incredible dual threat guy in the 2025 class so again the transfer portal doesn't mean everybody sticks around for all the years but you look at the lineage right now and you say when was the last time Notre Dame was able to stack quarterbacks like this one after another after another and somebody asked in the chat today when was the last time if Al Golden stays when was the last time they had this kind of experience on both sides oh. of the ball at coordinator and I couldn't remember. You know what I said? I said, I've been covering college sports since 1983, but I said 1883 in the chat. I had to fix it. And some people probably said, wow, he is old. That's a great question. Yeah, and I couldn't think of 
it, I could think of one side or the other, and even guys that you thought were really good, they weren't super experienced sometimes when they were at Notre Dame. And then the whole Charlie factor, you know, um, Rick Minter was an experienced defensive coordinator, more an experienced head yeah. coach when he was here for the second tour duty. But Mike Haywood was the quote-unquote offensive coordinator, even though Charlie called the plays. And Mike wasn't an experienced offensive coordinator. So it was really hard. I mean, you even go back to the Davey era and the Holtz era, and they never quite lined up on both sides of the ball having this. So that would be something, um, having this caliber of offense and defensive coordinator and this much experience. I want to close out this segment with this. I went back and found Marcus Freeman's quote when it was announced that Jared Parker was the new offensive coordinator. And this is what Freeman said. We put Parker through a long, tough interview. What he was able to display to me was his understanding of the terminology and our offensive philosophy the past year and also the vision of how he can enhance it with what he has done and what he believes it takes to be successful as an offensive coordinator. That's how Freeman described Parker. How does he describe Mike Denbrock? Totally different. Mike is an elite coach across the board. He is a great leader, recruiter, and developer. But what I love the most is his competitive spirit. Just the tones of those two statements in regard to hiring offensive coordinators is night and day. But it comes with getting an experienced guy. We'll take a timeout. Twitter question of the day results. It was a landslide yesterday. We'll tell you about the landslide next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Along with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, my name is Darren Pritchett. 556 on this Wednesday evening. Twitter question of the day from yesterday. With the Irish offensive coordinator position shifting from Jared Parker to Mike Denbrock, your offensive expectations for 2024 are you get to fill in the blank with one of these four choices. The choices were the offense in 2024 will be better or the same. What about not as good or wait and see? Now, to be fair, this is more than just the offensive coordinators we're talking about here. We're also talking about the players. Parker Hartman, Denbrock Leonard is almost the conversation. So before I give the results, I don't know if you voted, Eric, or not, but which direction would you go? And A was? Will be better. Yes. Is that because mainly of Denbrock or... How did you come to that conclusion? I think mainly because of Mike Dunbrock. And I think they are addressing the other areas. But again, I think the offensive line needs to win me over. And I think there's plenty of talent there. Are you surprised that Baker is getting the nod over Wagner in the Sun Bowl? Because I felt oh. like there was a lot of momentum with Wagner coming into the bowl season. Only because... Only not because B 
Baker's 317 and Wagner's 288. Okay. I think when, when Wagner gets to his physical peak, nobody's going to be in his way. I think he's special. So this decision doesn't have that much to do with 2024. It Not necessarily. Now, Baker might build from this. You remember, he was... I mean, he had everybody in the country, Alabama, LSU, USC, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. They all offered this kid. He was a guy that played very little football, was a Division I basketball recruit, tried football. They said, wow, look at this breathtaking athlete at left tackle. What a high ceiling. He hasn't reached it yet. Maybe confidence will kind of restart that trajectory for him. But... Again, I mean, you look, Charles Jagosa was a high four-star yeah. player. Emil Wagner was a high four-star player. I mean, they are all ranked higher than Joe Halt. <laughs> so, so it's not for lack of talent, but it's like which one and then, but I think Emil Wagner will be in the conversation. Okay. Now back to the results. Number four in the voting not as good actually got one or two votes. It got 0.5% of the vote. Okay. <laughs> so a distant relative of the former offensive coordinator might have voted. All right. Third place in the voting, your expectations for the offense in 2024. Wait and see got 5.2% of the vote. I respect that. Second in the voting only got 6.4%, Eric. And they believe that the offense will be the same as 2023. Winning the vote, 87.8% say that the offense will be better in 2024. We thank you for voting. Not surprised that's the way it turned out, although I'm a little surprised. 87%, that is a big majority. And it tells you about the expectations now. If you can have a Freeman, Denbrock, Golden ticket going into 2024. Well, I was telling my family at Christmas that doesn't follow Notre Dame as much. I said, I've got whiplash because when the portal opened, everybody's like, oh, the program's falling off the face of the earth. The sky's falling. And now it's like, we're winning the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, you guys make up your minds. What do they say in Major League? There's only one thing left to do. <laughs> Ah, we can't say the next line. Okay, now let's get to the sports feed, InsideIndieSports.com. Twitter question of the day for today. You can find it right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Retweeted by Eric, and Eric's Twitter handle is? EHansonND. Simple as that. Of these Notre Dame players, who do you believe could benefit the most from the Sun Bowl? Your four choices. Quarterback, Steve Angeli. Offensive tackle, Charles Jagasu. Linebacker, Jalen Sneed. Or cornerbacks, Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray. Those are two guys that will help to replace Cam Hart. So those are your choices. What is your initial thought? For me, this was easy. Charles Jagasu. Um, he's got the inside track to left tackle. And whatever he does in the game, if he falls on his face... He's still going to get an opportunity in the spring, but he can get. He only played five game snaps this year, Darren. He's going to play that in the first, first set drive. of downs. Yeah, <laughs> the first. He's going to surpass that in the first drive. 
So I think that's really going to help him. He's going to learn a lot. Super smart guy, super athletic, healthy now. I think, you know, there the other guys could gain something from it, but to me that was an easy answer. Yeah, it's hard with Riley Leonard coming to town to be the starting quarterback to say Steve Angeli. It could be very important for him to help – I don't want to say solidify because you got spring practice and fall practice to go through, but to show the coaches that as a starter with the opposition game planning for him, he can do the job. That goes a long way to solidifying the backup job next year. Or you think about because he's going to have two guys pushing him. Yeah. It's also going to put his skills on display. If he decides in the spring, I want to transfer. People say, you know what? We've got film on him. We like him. Let's bring him in. All right. So we'll have you vote, folks. Check out my Twitter account or X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Today's question of these Notre Dame players, who do you believe could benefit the most from the Sun Bowl and Jelly, Jagasaw, Sneed, or the combination of Mickey and Gray? We'll bring you the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat, which will also include... A watered-down version of the Advantage game with all the opt-outs, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And also, we will have a chat recap. Eric mentioned earlier he had his InsideIndieSports.com chat with Irish fans around the world. Earlier today, we will bring back some of those questions and have a conversation about those coming up on tomorrow's program. But right now, we need to get to... What's coming up at InsideIndieSports.com? What are people going to find when they go to your website right now? Or even the next couple of days? Chat transcript. And we had a great one today. Lots of great topics. A lot having to do with Mike Denbrock. So you'll want to read that. Uh, We had um, my notebook from last night where Tosh Baker rose to the top of the depth chart and lots of other cool tidbits from the Sun Bowl. We have Notre Dame officially hiring Mike Denbrock as offensive coordinator. Uh, (laughs) Our Football's Never Sleep show, which is on a trajectory to be our most watched version ever. And, of course, we let off with Mike Denbrock there. And, of course, there's lots of recruiting stuff, much, much more. And I'll end it there. And in, in the Carter Carls Bowl that used to have this music, Carter Carls Bowl is tonight, the Texas Bowl. Texas A&M with three healthy wide receivers versus Oklahoma State. They've had a lot of opt-outs and transfer portal guys. It's going to be interesting to see what Mike Elko can do with that team before the Irish come to town. That's going to be a fascinating matchup next year. Looks a little easier than it did maybe – a year or two ago with all the opt-outs. Now, they could add people, but time's a ticking. Yep. Time's a ticking. All right, Eric, good to be with you. Great to be back talking Notre Dame football with Absolutely. you. And, again, congratulations on scooping everybody and Mike Denbrock becoming the offensive coordinator. Job well done. Thank you. Eric will be back tomorrow to talk some more Notre Dame football. Right now we'll take a break. 6.06 on your home of the Irish and – Friday's Sun Bowl between the Irish and the Beavers kicking off at 2 o'clock on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 